This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Cliff Eidelman, composer for Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and you are listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. By golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and I am joined by Mr. Brandon Shea Matella this week to finish our trilogy of Robert Block commentaries with What Are Little Girls Made Of? Brandon, what are you made of? Uh, I'm made of uh, snips and snails and puppy dog tails. Mm, snips and snails, Captain. Is that the quote? Something like that, anyways. Something like that. Uh, so yeah, we're back. Uh, we this is a, this is a little sub series of standard we've been doing. Brandon and I have done a couple other commentaries uh, as well, but uh, we've kind of zeroed in on this this Robert Block trilogy. Robert Block, the writer of the novel Psycho, which became the famous movie directed by Alfred Hitchcock, uh, which Brandon has another podcast to. So I guess that's why we picked this. Brandon, is that is that why? Why, why do we decide to do Robert Block trilogy of comedy? My journal business. I'm sick of your half breed interference, sack. <laughs> Oh man! So this is see, this is a little bit different because we actually really like this episode, don't we, Brandon? I love this episode. This episode's great. This is one of my favorite episodes of TOS. Absolutely, and it's one that kind of falls through the cracks. I think it's not a balance of terror or sitting on the edge of forever or mirror, mirror, or doomsday machine, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, it's definitely a first tier episode of the original series. And, you know, I saw it when I, at a young age, and it was really unsettling. Just the concepts presented here, and it's real creepy. And I, I think now more than ever, sci-fi has come back around to this concept of android duplicates and where consciousness begins and ends. And Star Trek had always toyed with this for a long time, especially when you have characters like Data, for example, or the EMH. But this is kind of where it all started here on, on TOS, as it all does, right? Because it's the original series podcast. Yeah. So wh- I don't think... what do you, where, do you th- where do you think about that in, the, in these day and age? Well, see, I, I don't think this is an, ever an episode that... I've ever heard anybody say anything bad about it's just I haven't heard anyone say anything about it <laughs> yeah just people just don't talk about it you know and it's like why not it's really good you know it's got some great music and you got some really neat ideas we got chapel I think this is the first episode like so, okay so I'm a I'm a production order kind of guy and I'm pretty sure this mm-hmm. is the first episode with chapel in it isn't it that would be the naked time okay yeah yeah you're right what do I know? Mm-hmm. Look, I'm on I'm the, on the Enterprise show. I don't know anything with this show. And the second one, if you count the cage with uh, well, Major not... Barrett under a stage name, under a stage <laughs> is name. number one. <laughs> so she's really Nurse Chapel with black hair. She's just changed or what? Yeah, she she's like Tom Paris and Nick Locarno. It's a okay. similar situation, I Brandon. It. I think. Uh, anyway, yes. So uh, you know, if you look at shows today like Westworld or you know Black Mirror does a lot of stuff like this. Uh, I I uh, I think this episode is really an inspiration for a lot of for a lot of uh, sci-fi that we see today. You can see the seeds of things have gone to their natural progression. This is the '60s, right? They can only go so far with this mm-hmm. stuff. Even the technology. We'll talk about that as we. <laughs> As we watch the episodes, a little dated, a little cheesy, but uh, yes. but but yeah, I really love this episode, and I'm looking forward to talking about it with you. Yes, and you know, now that we are getting old, we can fit right in because of the old ones. <laughs> yes, Ted Cassidy, and uh, his only on-screen appearance on the original series. Of course, he appeared uh, in voice form, in voice over, voice form. I don't know that's a word, but uh, in the Corbinite maneuver as the voice of Commander Baylock, and of course, the Gorn in Arena. Is that it? So, Just the two? 
Yes, that's correct. Uh, so he was a, a first season guy. <laughs> but he he would have been a great uh, you know guest star later on down the road. Uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. He was busy on the Adams Family. Or was the Adams Family over at this point? I don't really know. I'm pretty sure that was course, done by this. He played Lurch on the Adams Family. Yes. Yeah. So so well, anyway, cool, cool, lots of, lots of great guest stars, which, which we'll talk about as, as we go on. But anyway, uh, that's kind of set up. You mm-hmm. know the routine here with the commentaries. Uh, we're gonna count down three, two, one, play, and you guys press play on your Netflix or your Hulu or your CBS All Access or your DVD or your Blu-ray or your Laserdisc or VHSS player, or your 8mm, 16mm, whatever you may have. <laughs> I think we covered all the bases. Your Betamax? <laughs> okay, I think we're good now. So we're going to count you down 3, 2, 1, play, hit play, and we're going to watch this episode together. Uh, and, you know, we try to make it, uh, we try to fill in the the gaps with enough talk where, you know, if you're not sitting there watching the episode, you can, you know, be listening to this like any other podcast and still get a fulfilling experience out of it. That's Brandon's and I's job here as your commentators, to entertain you. So I hope we are sufficiently entertaining. Three, two, one, play. All right, there's the Enterprise flying through space. How, how many episodes, Brandon? There's 79, 80 episodes of the original series. How many episodes do you think start with the Enterprise flying through space? Oh, I'd say probably 67. Okay, cool. I don't have a guess, but we'll have to look that up someday. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we're watching the remastered version because we're streaming this together. I, I can't stream my laser discs, unfortunately. Brandon, so so do you prefer the remastered or the uh, original effects? And we probably asked that question before in these commentaries. But what what do you what do you prefer? I know he's alive down there. Well, I agree with you. I just listened to your episode, the second episode with Lee uh, Lee Sargent, and you know you had said that you know it's kind of disassociating to see this the modern special effects with the original quality footage. So I'm a purist, and then I like to watch my original TOS with their original effects. And honestly, the last time, in, I think I said it in 2016 when I did the uh, the rewatch, I listened to them in mono. You know, I wanted to check them out in mono. Oh, look at this awesome vid- uh, picture that he's got on his computer. <laughs> they need they need to talk about remasters. Remaster that. You know, these these old stock library card quality. Uh, schematics you know i mean that wouldn't mean that hard to remaster look at look at that look at dr corby i never realized this before he's wearing a cage era uniform and that's a tan it's my favorite uniform in star trek the tan cage era uniform and he's wearing it there and i've never noticed that in that episode before that's awesome because they established that he's been missing for five years which as we know this episode takes place in 2266 2261 that's the uniform star trek was wearing and the starfleet was wearing canon take that discovery why does uh, why do all these people require reading at the academy? <laughs> That's true. If if you're required reading the academy, you're going to disappear. You're going to start a fascist government. You're going to become an evil admiral. Like something, you have a dark future ahead. So so so, <laughs> let's hope you don't get on the Starfleet Academy reading list. Absolutely. So so uh, this Doctor Chapel here, right? Uh, this is you know thinking about it. This is probably the only Doctor Chapel episode of the entire original series, isn't it, Brandon? Uh, it's yeah, pretty much focuses on her. I mean, we got we got the the green sludge people, but you know, it's pretty much a chapel episode. <laughs> green so. sludge. Okay, we'll talk about that later. But uh, zoom. Uh, so so, so they had optical zoom. I love that in the original series because you know in the sixties they hadn't perfected zoom lenses and whatnot. So you see this a lot on TOS when they zoom in on things. They they do a zoom in post, so it's an, we call it an optical zoom. And you can Space. even tell like the grain, you know, increases. Like I, it's really evident in City on Edge Forever. The cli- I love the climax of that episode, obviously. But you get to zoom in on Kirk, he's like, yes. and you get to zoom in on Edith Keeler, and you can definitely. That's that's what we're talking about, guys. If you want to visualize that. Yeah. But uh, so 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 Christine Chapel is has joined Starfleet to look for her fiance, uh, Doctor Roger Corby, who's been missing for five years, and we found him on XO3. Gasp! We found him. Another uh, another trope of the original series. And, Star Trek, but it's especially in the original series, is finding, you know, scientists who, like, went missing and discovered some ancient civilization, and, and something something mysterious has happened to them in, in their time since they were left on these planets, huh? Yeah, absolutely, and it's, you know, we, we were talking earlier, before we hit record and whatnot, we were talking about Chapel, you know, falling in love and being previously engaged and whatnot, and, you know, to me, I never had an issue with her falling in love with Spock, and then in this episode, falling in love with, with Corby again, and, and trying to find him again, because, 
you know, she assumed he was gone. She assumed he was dead. And, you know, when you're never going to see somebody again, like, you got to move on with your life, right? So, you know, Spock's pretty, Spock's pretty dreamy. And, and, you know, she was drunk, so to speak, right, with the Side 2000 virus. So we'll cut her, we'll cut her some slack there. No, because she's still so, uh, you know, we, in season two. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? I didn't have all the time for you all asked for it. This is purple soup. Um, Talking about... um. Talking about the the remastered effects, though, I, I do one of the things I do pref- really enjoy. I won't say prefer, but they really I think it does add to the the scope of the the visual presentation is the way that the Enterprise orbits the planets in the remastered. Yeah, like this, like in this episode, as we saw under the title card, what a little girl's made of. You see the Enterprise underneath the planet, which is cool to see, and then we see on the view screens underneath. I think that does add an extra element to something so you know becomes so status quo. So mundane in Star Trek, where you see the stock planet orbiting, it kind of adds some flavor to it. Yeah. So I'll give him credit there. J- just so you know, uh, it's sugar and spice and everything nice. No. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> what are little girls made? I forget that. What? Why is this episode titled that? <laughs> I have no idea. Question. I don't even know. I don't get it because who, they're who not they, making. Who's this happy couple behind Kirk and Chapel here? They're like, yeah, she found her fiance. They like rooting for. Like, yeah, isn't that romantic? Those are the guys <laughs> from uh, Balance of Terror. She, uh, he... <laughs> just kissed Chapel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, love is in the air. This is the Valentine's episode. We should save this for Valentine's Day. Oh boy. <laughs> so this is not Scotty uh, beaming them down. Is it Kyle? It's Kirk. It. No, it's not Kyle. It's just just red shirt anonymous guy. Maybe it's, it's James doing his hand double beaming them down. Uh, look at that stock footage in Antarctica there for a couple seconds. Uh, <laughs> So this is an interesting landing party. Kirk and Chapel, of course, you know Dr. Corby. Uh, he was very hesitant to, to contact them until he heard Christine Chapel was there. Look at that! Look at that reflection on Kirk. You see that? What's well, a glass? There's a window there for p- protection. Kind of plexiglass background. I didn't. I never realized that before. They're inside a compound. I thought yeah. they. Hmm. Look, it's square. noticing all kinds of things in this episode for the first time, Brendan. Okay, so I thought it was one of those mistakes, like in uh, *Raiders of the Lost Ark*, where where or uh, uh, Jones falls in the pit. Yeah, and then they painted out the Cobra reflection. Anyway, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? So, you know, one of the things that always has bothered me is this medical dress uniform and these lines in the front of it. Has that ever bothered you? No, you know, it, it became more prevalent in the Season 3 uniforms because they, they uh, made out different material and they were sewn a little differently. So all the women's uniforms, like you see it on Star Trek Continues as well because they're based off the Season 3 uniforms. They have those kind of lines across the front. I don't really mind it. Um... I, I, I like the variety of the uh, the uniforms, you. you know, where she's just not in a standard blue one. She's a nurse, so she's in a, you know, it kind of shows that she's medical. And I guess that that's the thing that's um, traditional in like the military and, and stuff because you want to you know point out who the medics are. Yeah. Right. Because it's like a it's like a it's it's in bad taste in war to like shoot a medic going in the battlefield. So I think that's where that comes from. So. Her, her, um, it's an old looking her badge. Shirt. It's got this. Her badge has the uh, red cross on it. What do you think about that? Well, again, it, it signifies that she's a, a, a purely medical nurse officer. Now, I don't know if should McCoy have a red cross because he's a doctor. I don't know. That's 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 a question. Because he's got the sciences so. one. Right. He's got. The, there's no consistency in this. Why do we watch this show? <laughs> this show is the worst. <laughs> I like these, uh, the, this is early season one, so we get the Velcro phaser belts. Yeah. You know? I like that. So thanks, thanks to Vulc, thanks to, thanks to, to Paul's grandmother for uh, inventing Velcro for us. So you we got have it. Phaser belts. Good old, good old to me. Do you like that episode of Enterprise? I, I like Carbon Creek. I love it. We did a commentary on it for, yeah. uh, for Warp 5 with Dayton Ward. We got, we got author Dayton Ward that. on. Author of Discovery books. I take back everything negative I say about Discovery, Dayton. Just give us Cybok. You know, that's my stance. Just give us Um. So here we go. This is... What do you think of this set? You know, I mean, they clearly... I mean, it's a little... It's it's cheesy Star Trek cave set, right? But it, it has some scope to it. You yes. know, I like that. I think... back in the early first season when they still had a budget. The only thing I think right now is that Chapel needs to be more careful. <laughs> I wish they... Talking about taking too far remastered, have they, have they put an insert shot there of, like... A chasm down to infinity, that might have been cool. But people get real upset when they take out live-action footage, like in a mock time where they did that. Right. To add some scope. I wouldn't have been so upset. That's a cool shot. Look at this. It's a cool direction right there. Brown. So I got something interesting about this. So Michael Jan Friedman wrote a novel sequel to this called Double Double. And 
I actually read that book before I saw this episode because it was the first Star Trek book that I ever bought after I got into Star Trek. And so, like, I really didn't have any kind of idea what was going on when they were referring to this. Was it When was it written? Was it written, like, in the 90s or before that? Or? Oh, I think I could grab yeah. it if you want me to. I think it was probably came out in 88 or 89 or something like okay. that. And I discovered Star Trek in, you know, 93, I guess, would have been when I was at my height. So the height of my when, when does this novel take place in the continuity of Star Trek? I'm not, I haven't read it since I bought it, so it's been a long time. <laughs> All I know is that I read is it. it an, it's an original series novel, That's I That's correct, it, right? yes. T-U-S. Double-double. Okay. Interesting. Okay, I'll have to look that up. To, because I like seeking out, like we were talking about earlier, this is a rarely talked about episode. So you get so many sequels to Harry Mudd and Gary Seven and The Guardian of Forever, right? But really, you need to get sequels to these kind of episodes. So I'd be curious to know what the plot... Because I feel like they kind of wrapped up this plot line pretty well in this episode. I'd be curious to see whatever plot threads they, they kind of picked up on. Brown is in it. So, you know, which is why. Like, it's the book starts off with Brown, and it's like, you know, he's dead in this book, right, or in this episode. Dr. Brown yeah. was never here. Yes. I assure you. He's dead. He's dead, Jim. Jim. Uh, so Brownie here is acting a little robotic. Uh, how well do you know him? An old friend? So he, he's acting a little different. So so that it's interesting because, I mean, spoilers, um, the other androids don't act this way. So we're, we're going to find out in a few minutes that this guy's an android duplicate, and that's why he's not as perfect. Uh, maybe well, I would guess an early because, copy, perhaps. Yeah, I was gonna say, I guess it's because he's probably a first, the first one that he tried to make. Look at, look at this guy lounging. He's like leaning up against the pillar. He looks like Kevin Riley's brother. This red shirt. He look totally at him. does. Yes, sir. Right. <laughs> I better turn my back and look this way so that this guy can sneak up behind me. Robert Riley. That's what I'm gonna call him. Robert, not Robert O'Reilly. Exactly. Look, he looks like uh, Michael Myers from Halloween 7. <laughs> Look how strong he is. All he does is grab his face dead. That is exactly the makeup for the Halloween mask in that one shot that we don't like. <laughs> the CGI mask, exactly. What do you think about Ruck's appearance here? I, I, I like the juxtaposition of this giant, intimidating-looking guy with this awesome, deep voice and this ridiculous clothing. Like, I, I like that juxtaposition. It's very just surreal. I don't know. Like, it's like... I don't know. It's how. Do, where did he come from? Is this what the aliens look like? Is he a duplicate of the original aliens? Ah, I never thought about that. You know, because he's so ones. different, right? So let's let's talk about that. Uh, Robert Block wrote this episode, and he was inspired by uh, a lot of H.P. Lovecraft stuff, like the Mountains of Madness. This episode has some themes of that. Uh, you know, finding ancient civilizations in Antarctica instead of Antarctica, we have XO three here. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, the third planet in the XO system, I assume. <laughs> and yes. uh, so, so, so this I, is the, you know this, this I don't is where know it's coming from. It's, it's kind work. of a sci-fi horror. So, like I, I know Psycho, obviously, right? But I don't know much beyond mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. other than his Trek work, his three. His I know, right? other than Star Trek episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, is this Brandon? Is this the first appearance of the like triangular doors, like these or trapezoidal, trapezoidal doors? I think in the original series. Yeah, I think it is. Because they reuse these doors for the whole show. I'm gonna totally cosplay this next next time in Vegas. So, yeah, here it is, guys. Uh, Sherry Jackson as Andrea, my favorite girl of the week on Star Trek. She is beautiful. Most beautiful woman on Star Trek. All the series. So I don't know. You got I'm to still, meet her. I did, It's yes. Star Trek Las Vegas. I'm so jealous of you, Brandon. You she, just met her by accident a couple years ago, didn't she you? She had a little tiny brown puppy, like like a really tiny, <laughs> tiny puppy. So, like Queequeg or something like that. But uh, I don't know. I'm Queen still Queen kind Queen of partial Scully to from the X Files. Quick, like yeah, like Scully. <laughs> I, I'm a little partial to uh, Mira Romaine myself still from Zatar. Okay. Okay. Doctor Corby, there he is. I, I like how um, this is so Star Trek original series, right? Doctor Corby has like the and Doctor Brian have like the working man's jumpsuit, and then she has like Andre has like the sexy version of that mm -hmm. same color scheme. I appreciate the clothing continuity. <laughs> I totally love Corby's outfit, though, like the the blue and the green, like with the the more than uh, than Browns. That's a very passionate reuniting. It's interesting how they go consistency with the colors. You know, like it's green and blue is kind of an interesting combination. Did we see this costume again on the original series? I don't think so. 
Not that I can remember. Yeah. So is this is this is this a co- is this an outfit they fashion for themselves on the planet? They not Starfleet standard issue. Makes sense. Yeah. Because we see you know we see a lot of the um, uh, like the Tarsus Four uh, rehabilitation jumpsuit again. I mean they they love reusing costumes, but yeah, thinking about it, I don't think I don't think they reuse this costume. Right. Excellent job by Bill Thesis in the design on Andrea's costume, right? Just just enough skin, right? But hiding just enough to get it from the sensors. You know, they, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of discussion was had about that uh, during the making of this episode. They don't want to get any trouble. So, is that a is that a cage era phaser? That, that is the kind of phaser that they should be using on the Discovery. Yes, Brandon. <laughs> a laser, if you will. Laser. See, Star Trek being cheap, right, and having to reuse stuff created continuity. Because they're like, well, we have this old gun lying around. <laughs> Let's use it, right? <laughs> and that's why that's why he has those kinds of phasers. But that's the kind of phasers they would have because five years ago, that's what they were using. So, I heard they had to tape that uniform down on her. Yeah, just to, to make sure they didn't uh, violate any uh, any uh, standards and practices <laughs> for prime time on NBC. Look at this! Look at this standoff at Kirk with his phaser one. Dive. This is classic st- Star Trek standoff. Wow. Did you ever know dun, dun, that? Dun, dun, dun. Did you realize that the Phaser 1 goes inside the Phaser 2? Of course I did, Brandon. Okay, good. <laughs> what is that? Stand. Okay, that's the thing. Original series um, robots, right, or androids. Uh, I give a lot of credit. Talking about, rem- I mean, you know, we're watching the remaster that comes up in these discussions, right? And I Mud, there was a similar interior shot of uh, Norman, like the android number one, like his stomach on the bridge, and it looked like circuits and old stuff like that. Uh, but they updated it in the remastered version um, to be like more, I don't know, believable <laughs> circuitry. Uh, really? I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen the season. Oh yeah, wow. I Mud season two. Check it out. Look at this, uh, Ruck. Uh, did they? Did they? Did they steal this for Data? You think, and they're in the next gen right? with Android, they can replicate. Um, I think it's a pretty common cliche. Oh, okay. Like the Terminator? Yeah. James Cameron also ripped this off? No, I think it's just pretty it, standard. All robots. James Cameron these. ripping everybody off, ripping off Harlan Ellison, ripping off what their made of. All under control. Stand by for regular contact. Kirk yeah, it's interesting that it's pink, that he's got pink on him, this really big guy with pink. I yeah, know. again, I, it's surreal, and it adds to the eeriness of the whole situation. You expect him to wear some, like, you know dark robe or something. But. Well, why isn't he wearing the blue and the green? The whole galaxy I don't know. knows who you are and what you stand Why is Corby wearing well, the blue and the green? Why is it Corby Unlike unlike green? all Star Trek planets, maybe this one doesn't have one Star article of clothing for all <laughs> of the residents of the planet. So. This would be the first time. The only oh, look time. at this, look at this lighting though. Like I love this on the original series. This this, this um uh art uh, this this um when, when a film nor lighting, you know? Like like on Kirk uh, like on Kirk's face here. Look at this. Like classic Star Trek right there. Like yeah. just on his eyes. I love that. Yeah. They Probably why they went over right. budget and over <laughs> schedule on all these episodes, all these intricate lighting setups. Yes, they didn't that do that. Like is. they didn't do that all the way through the three seasons, did they? That kind of eye lighting. No, it, as the season, as the shows progressed and they, they ran out of time and budget, like ah, forget it. You will never harm her. You are not to mark mock Christine. You will never harm her. Kirk, so he's got you know even though he's kept them captive he is he's drawn some lines he's a good captain you know just to come up with that off the top of his off the top of his cuff there right off the cuff mm-hmm. or does it be an order from her doctor do i need to be a prisoner i don't think that that's exactly how big ted Casty is i think he's got a couple of pillows in that shirt what do you think of ignorance I don't know, man. He's a pretty big guy. It's a bit, it's a puffy costume, though. No, because Lurch is not that big, right? So <laughs> he's definitely yeah. He's like Arnold Schwarzenegger build under there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got some pillows in there. Where is my other crewman? Alive? Like, like his like his chair. It's like a wooden chair <laughs> in this cave. Logic of his machine minds are danger to me. So now we're getting some exposition from uh, Doctor Corby about uh Rock totally and how he killed both the crewmen. Mm-hmm. So totally what is against it, my wishes, I assure you. What is it about this episode that you love so much that makes you think it's one of the best? Well, it uh, again, it's it's a it's a cool setup, you know, with an ancient civilization. It's, it's before that kind of the, before they ran that trope into the ground. Uh, the whole android things is very fascinating to me because this you have a you have a you have a science team that goes to a planet 
and they encounter something they don't understand, and they use it to prolong their life, but there's a cost to it, mm-hmm. you know. And then also, like, the, the, the thought of, like, where does consciousness begin and end, and these duplicates, and, you know, like, because I, I, I do believe there's more than to humanity than just the biological, the electrical, you know, we have, like, a there's a, there's a, there's a soul component to it, if you will, right? And that's something that can't be copied over uh, just any, in, you know, in any way, you know, I don't know, download your mind to a computer, whatever, uh, I don't believe you can do that, and I think this episode proves there's, there's a... There's a human element to things that, is, that can't be quantified, that you just can't replicate, and uh, this episode explores that as one of its its themes as well. So, plus you got Sherry Jackson in there. You know, you have you have the action with Rock and Kirk, and a great great guest stars of Ted Cassidy as, as as well as Sherry Jackson. And I don't know, it's just just one of those episodes that just sticks with you, and it's and it's unsettling because you think about this guy who was dying and turned himself into a robot and thought, oh cool, I'm immortal now, and I'm gonna do this for everybody. But then he realizes, oh no, I'm not immortal. I'm not even myself anymore. Uh, I mean that, that's a very unsettling feeling to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, Thought it sticks. It's one of those. It sticks with you after it's over, and you keep thinking about it. And anyway, it just, it just th- that's why it sticks with me. Is one of my favorites. Yeah. Do you? Uh, would you, if you could download your consciousness into a robot? Would you? <laughs> no, I would not. I've watched way too much science fiction to do that. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. I got a lot of books that I want to read, so I might, I might do it. <laughs> there was time now. All the time in the world. Time enough at last. Ah. Uh, so uh, Christine Chapel is, is kind of uncomfortable with, with Andrea's uh, familiarity with Dr. Corby. What do you think about their uh, relationship, Brandon? Uh, I think they're two consen- consenting robots. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that's totally what they're doing here, right? I mean, this isn't, this isn't Black Mirror. This isn't the 21st century. We can't Westworld. We can't go there, but that's what they're insinuating, right? Right. Yeah, I think so. But Again, unsettling stuff. You know, unspoken things in this episode that stick with you. Well, this shot of Kirk right here, like the shot of Kirk with like Ruck over his shoulder. They use that shot of Kirk in a lot of novel covers. Yeah. Like I think Prime Directive is one of them. Uh, it's just a very striking classic image of Kirk there. Yes. Um, I've no, I've seen that on a lot of Star Trek novels <laughs> over the years. There's one I should reach over and show you afterwards. There's a there's a Star Trek cover that they clearly use Ted Cassidy as Ruck to create this this lizard-like alien. Oh, I know. It, does it have a beak on it or something? Kind of. I think I know what you're talking about, here. yeah. I, I, I'm going to grab it here while we're talking. Oh, you go ahead and get it. So, so Corby is talking about, look at the, the lifelike flesh and the pigmentation and this and that, and, and Christine's like, how convenient. So she knows what's up. She knows what's up. So. A mechanical geisha would be no more difficult. You think I could live a machine? Did you? Kirk's looking. Give him, give him the side eye. Anyway, unsettling, unspoken things in this episode about androids. So, so Brandon has retrieved his book from his shelf. Which book is that? The Patreon Transgression, number sixty-nine. Patreon Transgression by Simon Hawk. Take a look at this alien. Oh my god! (laughs) That's not what I was. That's not the one I was thinking of. But that is. The estate of Ted Cassidy <laughs> needs to sue Pocketbooks or, or whoever published that. Absolutely, hey. So, and here's my double double. I grabbed it while I was over there too. So double double. All right, that's the cool. one. Number forty-five. What, what number is that? Number forty-five. Number Here, I'll read the number back 45. of this since we're talking about the episode. Read the back. Read the back of it. On a routine exploratory mission, the starship USS Hood picks up a distress signal from a research expedition thought lost long ago, the expedition of Dr. Roger Corby, one of the century's greatest scientific minds. Corby himself is dead, it seems, but his colleagues have made a most incredible discovery, a discovery they insist the Hood's captain see for himself. Reluctantly, the captain agrees to beam down. Meanwhile, the crew of the USS Enterprise begins long overdue shore leave on Tranquility 7. James T. Kirk is looking forward to a few days of rest and relaxation until what seems like a bizarre case of mistaken identity plunges Kirk into a whirlpool of mayhem and murder and puts an inhuman stranger with his memories and abilities in command of the Enterprise. Dun, 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 dun. Here we go. Green sludge people duplicating. This is how you make an android. This is how you so, make an android. I'm, I'm going to give this episode the benefit of the doubt. Oh, by the way, you know, we see William Shatner bare-chested here. He infamously, infamously hated having to shave his chest for Star Trek, but Gene Roddenberry did it all the time, made him do it all the time, because you know, Starfleet captains don't have chest hair, apparently. So, uh, Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to give this episode the benefit of the doubt and say that you know this, this is very sophisticated alien technology. 
that we don't understand. So there could be circuits in that thing. Like, you know, it has to be moldable because it's making skin and all this stuff. So just use your imagination. But I'm not going to lie. It doesn't look ridiculous when Tay Cassidy dumps it on the... <laughs> On the turntable here. Yes. So, I don't have a take problem out these with state of the art special effects. I, I don't have a problem with myself. I mean, it's, it's 60s science fiction. You know. My my bigger problem with this whole thing is not the the green uh, blob, but just the fact that they're like turning a knob over there. <laughs> it's like, what is this really doing? I, my problem though with this is that. You know, Kirk would just be puking all over the place, like riding this thing. I don't know. Not necessarily, because you know, think about how astronauts are trained in the, in the uh, you know, G-force. What you do Have you seen this episode? Do you not see how fast this thing is spinning? <laughs> Look at that! Look at those knobs. You're a knob. It was supposed to be funny. You're supposed to laugh. No, I was over here crying, Brandon. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm I thought so I thought sorry. this was a. Uh, I thought we were friends. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Clearly, you're an Android duplicate. Look at how uh, fast the thing is. The real, the real Brandon would never speak to me in such a fashion. Sick of your half-breed interference, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> now this uh, this is actually the second. So this is uh, let's see, this is the ninth episode. Uh, in production order of the original series. Uh, and, uh, Ninth? I thought it was eight. Counting, uh, counting the cage. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we already have two episodes with two Captain Kirks. <laughs> so <laughs> double your Shatner, double your fun. <laughs> you think you got paid double? But I, I'm sure he argued for it. He said, well, I'm two characters, so naturally I should be paid twice. See, this is good special effects. Look at that split screen. That's pretty, That's pretty smart good. split screen, though. That's pretty smart split screen to have that which line right in the captain. center. Yeah. So, which is your captain? That one. Or that Shoot one. Shoot me, he's the one. Not me, you idiot him. <laughs> Again, the trope of two Kirks. <laughs> Continues two all the way down to Star Trek Six. I love it. I honestly so, don't know. How would you know? She, they're not even talking, Christine. So, synthetic organs, they synchronize them. Kirk's autonomic blah, blah, blah. Technobabble, tech the tech, Mr. LaForge dialogue going on here. So, you know, duplicate the mental pattern. All she's got to do is stab him in the arm. Oh, okay. Oh, look at that. Those are, those are, those are headphone splitters. <laughs> I love it. So, interesting. They established that they, they duplicated him physically, and now they're going to do the mental. And this is when he's like, this is Kirk, man, on his, thinking on his feet. Yeah. You know, rolling with it. Like, Same thinking memories. such overpowering negative Imagine. thoughts, they implant onto this Same duplicate. Memory. Much like, you know, Pike did in the cage, where he's like, okay, I can fight the delusions with my I mind. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's cool. That shows Kirk is not just a gung-ho guy. He, he, he's, 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 he's as smart as Picard, and as cunning as well. And he doesn't get enough credit for that. Absolutely. And is ready to fight as Cisco. We need like a, a swear trick gift where he's like, oh, too much cheese. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this, I, I don't know. I like the, the concept of this and the idea that Kirk's getting replaced, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, this could so, easily. Yeah, why, is it one of your, why is it one of your favorites, Brandon? Uh, well, uh, yeah, a lot of the same reasons that you said with the idea of the uh, the replacements and how, how many times has things gone wrong when humanity oh, has Oh, look at tried. that jump cut. Really bad jump cut there. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. <okay. laughs> I had to point it out. <laughs> it's no worse than the journey to Bab Bab Babel with the uh, the Tellerite in the back where the drink goes from one hand to the other from one cut to the next. Oh, I haven't seen that. I've looked that up. Oh, man. It's it's so there. It's one one cut. It's in his right hand and the next... As they cut to a close-up and it's in the opposite hand. <laughs> and then they cut back. No, I'm sorry. I, I cut you off when you're talking about why you... No, that's okay. So I mean, much, I'm used but... to it. That's okay. Um, I like the episode a lot because of a lot of the things that you said. Uh, the idea of being replaced and, you know, prolonging your life and how the, all these attempts that humanity has to prolong their lives tends to have negative repercussions all the time. You know, and the, the way that it was written is really, really well done. Like, this is probably my favorite scene. Mm -hmm. in the whole episode because it fooled me like when i haven't seen this episode for a few years it fools me again you know i've seen this episode i don't know how many times but 
the the way that they've written it that this is the android sitting here with him. I love it. It's awesome. And you're not expecting him to show up in you know, Kirk's shirt right, right. again. It's a, a trick they play later on with Data and Lore, right? On yep. the next generation. So yep. uh, androids don't eat Miss Chop. He hasn't said that yet. So you're not you're not behind on the commentary, guys, and jumping the gun. But that's just a great reveal to this whole scene because Chapel is really having this heart to heart with him. Like ah, I'm torn. My duty to the Enterprise, my duty to my fiance, you know. So this is a good nice. scene of her really questioning uh, herself. And, you know, a, a scene that I feel like is missing a lot of other episodes, like say, Who Mourns for Adonais or Space Seed, where you have you know guest star officers like fall in love with the guest star of the week, and they're kind of conflicted. I, I like how you know obviously it's just the two of them here, so she she has no one else to talk to. But I like how she's confiding in Kurt this 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 conflict in her of her loyalties. Yeah, yeah. What is this food? Play-Doh. <laughs> the cubes. Androids don't eat Miss Chapel. <laughs> Fooled ya. Such a great reveal. Even has your sense of humor. Now Kirk has his own blue and green jumpsuit. Yep. Why doesn't he have the one that Brown had? Brown's look kind of stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> well, it was the same as Andreas. Did you, did you tell me it doesn't look as good as Andreas? Not on him, no. Oh, okay. See, even here, like, this is great. Split screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, this episode's so good. It's well-produced. It's awesome. And I love how they're debating, like, we, uh, hunger is a weakness, but, you know, eating is a pleasure. Like, they're pros and cons. Right. To being an android, so. What about memory? Tell me about Sam. George Samuel Kirk, your brother. George Samuel Kirk, your brother. I had a brother once. I was lucky I got him back. Yes, with his wife and three sons. <laughs> Wife and three sons. So I don't know if that's a continuity problem or they just forget about those other two nephews Kirk's supposed to have when uh, they encounter him in Operation Annihilate. The Which is this season, people. It's not like it's five years later. It's the same season. The pancake aliens ate the other two. Oh, God. I don't like that episode. That's one of, like, three bad episodes in season one. Yeah. What? Operation Annihilate, Alternative Factor, Shut your and mouth. Miri. I know, Brandon. Fighting words. But Shut your mouth. Other than that... Every every episode of Star Trek season one is a winner except for those three. I don't even mind Miri that much. Miri's just fine. You know what? Oh, you don't mind anything, Brennan. What is your least favorite episode of the original series? My least favorite. Oh man, that's a tough one. What is my least favorite episode of the original series? It is probably probably and the children shall lead. <laughs> yeah, de- yeah, it's probably mine. Yeah. That's why we did that commentary. And the children shall lead. Yeah, I was going to say something from season one. two, but no, definitely in the children shall lead. Everything else is five See, stars. This is Corby talking about if he wanted to, he could have transferred his consciousness, his soul, into that android instead of just copied him, like cut and paste instead of copy and paste. So, uh, you know, have you seen The Prestige? Have we talked about this? No, but uh, you've spoiled it for me a couple of times. I have? Okay, let's spoil it again. I'm not going to spoil it again, but that's a similar, very unsettling concept about, you know, copy and paste versus cut and paste versus, you know, duplicates and whatnot. Uh, I'll leave it at that, but uh, that, that, I, and that's one of my favorite movies of all time, and, and some of its concepts they remind me of this episode. So. Mm-hmm. I've heard lots of good for, about that. I've just never gotten around to seeing it. And and so you know, Kirk and Corby here are debating. This is you know, this is a great Star Trek. It's not. I mean, they're sitting here debating like high concept issues because uh, high concept uh, stuff like you know, quote unquote, breeding out you know the evil. In humanity, right? That's stuff that goes back to, you know, Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde and stuff like that, right? Or even, you know, and then it takes a darker turn, like eugenics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think that's the interesting debate to have. Like, if you could, mankind trying to improve mankind through science always turns out bad. I don't know. Do you like that in science fiction? Because ironically, science fiction also often shows you the dangers of, of science, you know? It does. Uh, do you think that's kind of contradictory? No, I think that's what science fiction is supposed to do. Science fiction is supposed to take cautionary tales and you know warn you of what could happen by showing you an artificial future an artificial past you know certain things like that like planet of the apes is a cautionary tale about war you know as much as it is talking it's a fun story about you know upside down evolution it's a cautionary tale about war and we could destroy our planet you know and that's something that people i don't think really consider at that time so i, I don't know that's it, to me that's exactly what science fiction is supposed to do so kirk has uh, sneakily uh untied himself from around the table here and is holding corby hostage and we get a famous chase through the uh paper mache cave coming up here 
attacked. Just gonna see that in a second. So he just runs and leaves Chapel there. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I, I assume his idea is to just get back to the Enterprise. <laughs> Screw you, Chapel. <laughs> well, he knows that Chapel. He knows that Corby and, and is not going to hurt Chapel. You know, so he, she's in good hands there. Run! No! You know, for an android, he sure did get choked pretty bad. Spoilers. <laughs> He's an android. What? <laughs> Oh, I didn't see that coming. Have you seen this episode? Um, <laughs> you know, Ruck, it's interesting. Ruck is like a data kind of android where he's like strong and powerful and has all these abilities, right? Uh, I, I, probably because he was built by the old ones, you know, with this copy technology that, that Corby has. All the Corby androids, if you will, are just, you know, they might as well be clones, right? Just mechanical clones. Yes. Wonder if, I wonder if Shatner was supposed to fall there, if that was a mistake. <laughs> Shatner did nothing by mistake. It's all on purpose. Just like in Star Trek 30, when he stumbles back to the chair. One of the best scenes in Star Trek history. Brilliant. Yes. All right, so here comes a very unfortunate um, meme <laughs> on the internet. If you guys know what we're talking about, good for you. You have a dirty mind, so... Captain Kirk, the, the sheer manlyhood of Captain Kirk can break a stalactite <laughs> off the ceiling of a cave. Thousands of years of, of dripping minerals are nothing. You know, you know. I just, uh, I've re I've been watching, I've been on season three kick lately. I watched the Savage Curtain the other day. And this reminds me of when Kayla is like, help me, Spock. <laughs> I love the Savage like Curtain. Savage Curtain's what an underrated with, episode. It's enjoyable. I, I do like it. But it's the whole in, impersonating. And Kirk, Kirk knows, right? Because he's seen Ruck. Uh, impersonate people before, so he, he's smart to this. He's like, Christine, is that you? Because he thinks he's going to get uh, rock with this uh, stalagmite. They're tight. Stalagmites go through the floor, stalactites from the ceiling. Don't say you never learned anything while listening to standard aerobic kids. Yes. I love uh, Savage Curtain, I think because of Yarnick. That's his clicking hands there. That's what that was. Look at those Shatner's uh, four-inch lifts in his boots there. <laughs> Hey, if I were him, I'd do the same. I like wearing boots. I'm glad I live in Texas so I can wear boots so I can be tall or than I am. <laughs> oh, like, is he going to fall? What a cliffhanger, am I right? Oh, hey boy. Oh, boy, you said cliffhanger. Are you going to help me here? Or what? <laughs> I have had enough of you. All right, make up your mind. Did this episode run short on time? But <laughs> thank you. <laughs> They're holding on to it. They're like, how can we do this? How can we do this? What can we say? That's an interesting fade back to the Enterprise at that moment. So, Do they do a lot of fades? Um, Sometimes, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was a problem when they were doing the remastered because like, they, they couldn't like fade properly. So there's a lot of live action stuff that gets cut off. Mm -hmm. uh, little moments. Like, just, just, you know, a few seconds. But the, in order, the, the new special effects have to be longer than the original to, to, to cover up the fade. So that mm -hmm. was a problem they're doing remastered. Mm -hmm. so. Corby has considerable cargo to beam aboard. I'll have to go over our destination schedule with him. You're going back down with the command package? Mind your own business, Mr. Spock. I'm sick of your half-breed half interference. interference. You hear? Yeah, that works very well. Very well it's, it's such How an can awesome... you not hear with those ears, you freak? Yeah. No problems here, sir. Good. I'll beam up it, it's interesting because I don't know. It's so well written. I mean, like I think Robert Block's a great writer, and you know, I don't know. If, he probably didn't have the final draft of this. You know, it was probably modified by a bunch of people. But I can't confirm, but I feel like this shot is from Corbin Wright maneuver. <laughs> that shot of Kirk. You just got to watch him back to Going back. Going to the turbo lift. I will. Uh, you mean like really just taken like straight out of it? Yeah, because Kirk, I because that that shot of Kirk going down the hallway, and the corridor, and then and then that that turn in the turbo lift. I, I feel like that's from Corbin Wright maneuver. Um, this is interesting finding live. It's, you know, obviously Star Trek has a lot of uh, stock footage, almost entirely stock footage of the Enterprise and stuff. But when there's live action stock footage, like I, I, I'm reading uh, volume two of Christian's book right now, and I was read the Doomsday Machine uh, chapter the other day. Um, I didn't know this, but the uh, the shot of Scotty like kind of like holding on to engineering as the the constellation is moving, and he's 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 having to brace himself. That is lifted from tomorrow as yesterday. Oh wow! From the Enterprise. So. Kiss me. 
Just edit it's it really in. evident in season three where they start using season one stock footage because the uniforms aren't the same. Mm. But anyway. <laughs> oh, don't you dare slap me. Captain Kirk using his raw masculinity to uh, overwhelm an android with emotion. Not the first time he does this on the show. <laughs> or not the last time, I should say. This is the first. He's pretty good at that. He grabbed her pretty hard. He had finger marks in her arms. Well, Sherry Jackson, like, uh, she 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 said about this kiss, like, he really kissed me. <laughs> like, you know, he kissed the lipstick right off her face. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Shatner enjoyed that. Not yes. for you. Not, not programmed program for you. you. Well, who are you programmed for, Andrea? Yeah, Corby. What's going on there. Corby. Definitely. Like, so do you think she was part of his um, excavation team and copied, or do you think she was an original creation? Uh, I've always just made the assumption in my head that he was uh, copying a crew member, mm -hmm. an original expedition member. Mm -hmm. I agree. Oh. <laughs> Kirk blocked, am I right? <laughs> You're staying anyway. there, buddy. Look at that bed. It's like a Klingon bed. <laughs> It's just flat. Look at how fluffy Ruck is. Look at that shirt. It's like a pirate Kirk, man, shirt. Kirk is on this episode, like, establishes Kirk versus the computer. He he uses all the tactics to kill all the computers. Uh, he turns them all against He uses, like, like romance to screw up Andrea. He uses logic to screw up Ruck. And he uses brute force against Corby. So mm -hmm. all the tactics, Kirk versus the computer in this episode. Yes. Is it possible? They built their machine. Have you seen the Goonies? You know, I have not seen the Goonies. What? Oh, my goodness. Shocking, I know, right? There's a scene, like, when he lifts him up, when Ruck lifts up Kirk here, and he's, like, all happy and stuff. It reminds me of when Sloth, Sloth does that to Chunk in the Goonies. you got to see the Goonies, man. That's so good. The ones who made us. The ones who made us. They grew fearful of us. So this is, uh, like, the Star Trek Voyager episode prototype. Uh, where the androids destroy their masters and then keep destroying. So, you know, it's a common thing in science fiction, but I actually like that episode of Voyager a lot. Uh, a lot of people don't seem to like it, but... Uh, you know, the androids in Prototype were supposed to be like... A, they were, they were, uh, the idea was they could be an ongoing villain in Voyager if the show... Uh, if, if, if the episode was popular. Is Prototype the one uh, with the... Uh, see, yeah, that's the one with the silver androids, right? Yeah, the blue silver versus the green... Uh, uh, robots, yeah. They did that so many times, though, too, when they had the, the one with the sentient bomb. Oh, yeah. The, the same thing. Warhead. Yeah. Uh, it's time to outsmart the smart bomb. It's time to outthink the think tank. Janeway said that line. Is that a, so is that a Janeway impression? <laughs> yeah, that's my Janeway impression. Is it good? Time's up. <laughs> it's not as good as your uh, your uh, Halloween impression of... Uh, Oh, I can't remember. Loomis. I don't know, Michael Myers. <laughs> See, this scene here. Council out programming. This scene here it reminds me of uh, Sloth and the Goonies. Chunk. You brought him among us. You brought the inferior ones. Listen to this voice. We had cleansed ourselves of them. Now you bring Back. Stop. Programming. Such a great episode. Sorry, oh, listeners. One. Sorry, listeners. We got caught up in the action. Oh. Yeah, we got caught up in listening to Ted And that's you know that's an unsettling thing too about phasers. How you can just phaser someone out of existence. You know. You think they'll ever it's a really invent creepy that? Creepy way. I had no chance. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that. And ray guns do that, but usually, you know, you shoot somebody with a blaster, they just fall over and die. But phasers, they literally incinerate you, and it's just creepy, which we see at the end of this episode as well. Because you just must have been on a different phaser setting than uh, than what was on to kill Doctor Brown, huh? Yes. Because you just said ray guns. Did you know there's a band called the Nancy Ray Guns? <laughs> no, it's pretty good. Though. <laughs> this episode is actually wow. This, we're coming up on the end here. <laughs> kind of blew by. Whoa! What? what a twist! No way! He's Twilight Zone ending. <laughs> Did you see that coming the first time you watched this? I don't remember, man. I saw these when I was so young. So, if I recall, like, look, I have a prosthetic hand. What's the big deal? <laughs> Just play it off, Corby, you know? Didn't Haven't you guys seen The Empire Strikes Back? It's yeah, not a big deal. Didn't bother Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Unfortunately, everything else is robotic, too. 
even your heart. I had only my brain between life and death. So he's explaining what happened to him here. He was he was on the, the cusp of death. This can be repaired. Yeah, this can be repaired. It opens up those questions though, like you know, what does the soul and what does it mean? Like if Christine couldn't tell the difference, then what the heck does it matter? Yeah, because he seemed fine until now. <laughs> but I, I, I do I do like him like ask me any I can calculate any like he's slowly realizing that there's some deep part of him that was human that is gone now like that that self-realization is really Andrea. just again unsettling someone in the outer junction spock spock got my message so this is one of three episodes that dr mccoy is not in brandon can you name the other two uh, i sure can that is the where no man has gone before uh, not, also the cage, which doesn't quite count. It doesn't count. Yeah. And uh, the Klingon one, uh, Aaron of Mercy. Okay, Larry, you can stay. I can stay. <laughs> All in season one. Look at this. Androids killing each other off. Way to go, Kirk. Here we go. I will kiss you. No. You. You will not. Once you had Kirk, if you can't get another one, you get rid of him. <laughs> Yeah, this, see, that that's why I'm so surprised that there's a sequel to this book. Or the, 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 there's a book sequel There are no episode. dangling threads. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I gotta reread this book and figure out how he did it, because he, he did a pretty crazy job. Well, there there is a there is a sequel in the John Burns photo novel um, car, uh, yes. comic books. I've read yes. that one. Uh, I love those, by the way. So I do too. I'm sad that they're done. Are they done? They're done now, yeah. No wonder I haven't gotten any new ones in my subscription box at the comic book store. Yeah, they're done now. They, a couple of months ago, they had their last See? one. Kirk says it right here. He's like, is this your perfect world? Your perfect beings killing each other off? You know? So. Like, so, so Corby's whole plan was to replace everyone with robots and, and kind of, you know, program out all the negative aspects. But here, his paradise, they can't even, like, four of them can't even survive without killing each other off. You know? So. Yeah, but that's all Kirk's fault. Well, he was just bringing out the inevitable. Everything was fine until Kirk came down. That's, how many episodes does that happen in? <laughs> right? Like, seriously, though. I mean, like, how long did they live down there before Kirk came down? And they were all fine. Right? Kirk comes down, and they, they try and take over his ship. So, yeah, I guess it's kind of their fault. Right? But, I mean, like, Kirk's the reason that all this nonsense is going on. So, Christine... Chapel makes a good point here that she's like, look, everything you've done proves it isn't you. Like, the real Roger Corby would never go to these memes. Do you agree with that assessment? Because she's pretty never, quick to judge that he's not the real him. I never met the original Roger Corby, so I don't know. That's right, because Roger Corby was never here. <laughs> so she would know, I guess, I mean, if she was his fiance. I mean, like, that that's probably why they made her his fiance in the episode, so that right. she could make that statement that, you know, this is not you. Because... Right. You know, otherwise, how would they know who it was? Well, we've talked a lot about Sherry Jackson as Andrea, and much like, you know, Jay Ryan said, and I, not only is she a beautiful woman, but she can really act. She did a great job in this episode. Uh, yes. Of course, Ted Cassidy, excellent job as Ruck, you know, being doing what he does best, being an intimidating figure. Uh, but let's not forget, Michael Strong here plays Roger Corby, a great job as well, especially in the scene where he has his self realization. I really, all the guest stars are A plus here in this episode. Mm hmm. Yeah, this camera really work. It's 360 camera work. God, I love the original series and this dynamic cameras. Look at that. They hit it out of the park. All the acting, you know, the production. Yeah, so this is this is great. People need to talk about this more. You're not human. Love you. Kiss. So why do you think he like killed themselves here at the end? Yeah, it's pretty dark. First of all, yeah. uh, android murder suicide. Yeah. Probably he was just he had realized that Kirk was right and that this was a failed experiment and he wasn't himself anymore and he just wanted to end it. I mean, that's the way I, that's the way I see it. He couldn't live with can... himself knowing everything that had taken place. Captain, I'm going to see if I can make one of these jumpsuits and Nurse? cosplay that play uh, Corby. Where's Dr. Corby? Here it is. Dr. Corby. He was never here. He was never here. Look at the tapestries. <laughs> All right, so I forget. Is there another scene in this episode? Or do the credits just come up? Okay. <laughs> right? Is this not an episode where, like, it could have just been, like, directed by so-and-so, right? <laughs> well, they have another scene with here with uh, Chapel, right? 
I want, here's the deal, like, I've mentioned syndication cuts in a recent episode. As an experiment for myself, just because I'm an editor, I'm into this stuff, I want to take, I want to, I want to take, like, every episode of the original series, like, they're all, like, 52 minutes, and, like, have a, whatever the new time slot is, like, 42 minutes, I want to edit myself and see what changes I would make to these episodes. Like, I said, that's just a challenge. And that, this episode right here, I would cut it off right then. Right then? Just cut off this entire scene. Although Spock explains how he knew it wasn't him you know i'm just saying if you have to cut 10 minutes i don't know i think it would be for me it would be an interesting experiment just for me personally so and i post them all on the babel conference of course so and our patreon patreon exclusive zach Moore edits of the original series i'm just kidding the one that i noticed the most is city on the edge of forever because it was an episode that i saw so many times right and that scene where, where Spock goes and he like he's listening to the lock, that was not in the original television version that I saw, the 45 minute version. I just remember that scene a lot. All done. Alright. I don't know what that could be from any episode. <laughs> That's from the naked time. Oh you're doing your you're doing your episode thing again. <laughs> That's from this That's episode. That's from this one. That's from this one. <laughs> I saw that one. I know that one. Uh, where no man's no gone, gone before. This, this one. <laughs> I know that one. Up. This, this is going to be lazy this week, aren't they? Where no man's gone Come on. <laughs> this has to be. This has to be the episode with the most uh, in title pictures from this one episode. This one. Uh, I don't know. Is that the cage? I don't know. I don't think. I bet cage. that's from like an unfilmed cut scene of something. So. I enjoyed that one a lot. I know that wasn't like a MST3K kind of. I think we had some deeper uh, concepts. We talked about in that one. But that that was the whole point. You know, this this was this was early TOS, and I don't I don't know why I don't know why this one never never caught on. You know, it's never it's never I've never seen this in any top ten list or any like best of the original series or anything like that. Uh, but it, it's it's certainly in me and Brandon's. Uh, I don't I wouldn't necessarily say top ten, but uh, uh, definitely in, in our top tier of episodes. Yeah, it's I. I... I, I've put this on my top 10 list a few times. I don't know. It doesn't always make my top 10 list, but it's definitely made it a few times because that's always changing, right? Uh, I think it's fun that we did these three commentaries together. I think it was pretty neat. And uh, they're they're all good episodes in their own way, you know, except for maybe Catspaw. But, uh, except for maybe Wolf in the Fold. <laughs> I love Wolf in the Fold. Wolf in the Fold's this, great. This is by far, yeah, the best as you said, we three. did these yeah, this is by far the best of the three Robert Block episodes. And he, he, he didn't come back to Star Trek. Uh, uh, um, this was his first, then with Cat's Paw, and then Wolf in the Fold. And after Wolf in the Fold, uh, he, the, the, by the time it would have been for him to come back, uh, and I'm reading this in the Mark Cushman book, These Are the Voyages of Volume 2 right now, uh, there were so much you know changes going on with the producers, Roddenberry, Gene Kuhn, you know, all these guys. Uh, uh, he just wasn't interested in, in coming back anymore. So that's why we didn't get any more. Robert Block, but uh, there, there you have it. That's the end of our end of our trilogy. Um, you know, may, maybe if uh, we're in the mood, we'll find some other uh, sub series of commentaries to do, Brandon. But until then, man, thanks. thanks. It's always a pleasure having you on Standard Robert. Uh, where, where can people find you out there on the internet elsewhere if, if they want to hear you talk some Star Trek or anything else for that matter? Well, you can find me making a green Android duplicate of myself on XO3. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Brandon Metella. Uh, you can find me here on the network with Warp 5, which is all about Star Trek Enterprise, with my friends Brandy and Patrick. And you can find me with Melodic Treks here on the network, which is all about the music of Star Trek. And we got some fun interviews coming up soon, so be sure to stay tuned. Uh, Zach, you and I are just finishing up our Talk Film Society uh, Halloween retrospective called Halloween H4O. Uh, as of the recording tonight, seven have aired and we have recorded eight of them. So we've got three more to go. And uh, you can also find me on the Phantom Podcast Network with my friends Chris and Tom and a show called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast where we talk about Hitchcock's films one at a time. So it's a lot of fun. It's been, and, and I had a good time. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really, really, really appreciate it. And, you know, Brandon, speaking of your interviews on Melodic Tricks, you have a couple of big ones coming up. Uh, if you heard our bumper this week, we were introduced by none other than Mr. Cliff Eidelman, composer of Star Trek Six, yes. got us a personalized bumper uh, for Standard Rubber, Brandon. So that's an upcoming 
Melodic Treks episode. And there's another big one coming up, too. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm really excited for these interviews. I'm so glad Melodic Treks is back, one of my favorite shows on the network. And, and thank you for getting us these uh, these standard orbit-specific bumpers, my friend. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'll, I'll tell everybody right now what that interview is. It was a uh, quite the long-distance phone call, but we interviewed Jerry Goldsmith. His Android duplicate, I believe. His Android duplicate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dr. Goldsmith was never here. <laughs> Dr. Goldsmith was never here. All right, Brandon. Well, what are little girls made of isn't the only thing we're talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Literary Treks. I agree, though. It's fun to say, hey, I know who these characters are. I've seen them before, and now they're all together. That is cool. But at the same time, mm, how realistic is it that they would all know Worf at some point or another? Well, it's just further evidence of my thesis that Star Trek is the story of Worf. This is what I've always said. Worf is the central character in everybody's lives in Star Trek. <laughs> the 602 Club. And what was, in some ways, I think poignant for where we are today you know, the word Nazi gets thrown a lot, around a lot. But I think the beauty of who Juliana is is that she sees past even the word Nazi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's really important. I, I think that that is the... I mean, we need more messages like that. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Okay, next year, that's my goal. I will be... Yeah. I will carry... The Haley well, mojo. You'll, you'll have the head. So yes, yes. <laughs> I'm acting in behalf of Haley. Give me a hug. Yes. <laughs> Just, as exactly. Long as, you don't, as long as you don't tackle them on the way to the staircase, I think it's okay. To the journey. So they don't call it a navy; they call it the Federation Naval Patrol. But same difference. It's basically a navy. But what is its reason for being? To me, it sounds like they just renamed the Coast Guard. So the Coast Guard is no longer, and now it's just the Federation Naval Patrol. But I'm guessing for like people that go out pleasure sailing and get stuck, the Federation Naval Patrol is there to help. They rescue like the tourists Guard. on Ryza who are drowning? Exactly. They just rescue people. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfm contact. And look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and Dan Rhodes. You guys, uh, your, your contributions, your help, your support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So to find me on the interwebs, you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time. Or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holding on the Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. 
You can find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. Celebrating Trek Tuesdays. That's tomorrow, everybody. Wear your Trek. <laughs> yes, and use the hashtag Trek Tuesday. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. <laughs>